Thanks for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church Podcast. Our heart is that everyone would find and experience true sanctuary that's only available in Jesus. We're currently in a series called Break the Soil out of Hosea 10-12, where we're giving the first three weeks of 2024 to prayer and fasting, uh, trying to break the hard soil of our hearts and really seek the Lord in this season. Uh, would love to have you pray with us. Just a quick note, our teaching often does include um, an, some discussion and community response. We do intentionally edit that out of this podcast to preserve uh, the confidentiality in the Sunday experience. So you'll likely not hear the full content or context of the teaching, but still our hope is that this will encourage you and equip you. And really, we're just so honored you're here. All right, here it is. When I was praying for us um, as a community, I just felt this um, particular verse God put on my heart from Acts 9, verse 31, and it says, Walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort or encouragement of the Holy Spirit, they multiplied. And I just felt really like this impressed on my heart, this walking in the fear of the Lord and the life of the Spirit motivating us in everything we do, his comfort, his encouragement, his love, and how those two things come together. That's what I'm going to talk about today. So I've entitled it, Awe and Intimacy, the Fear of the Lord. And um, particularly felt like, you know, like when we were doing the, the liturgy just now, that thing of like, God is a generous God. He wants to give us things. And I really felt like closeness and courage were particular things. He was like, today, this, every single person in this room, I want to give you, I want to give you closeness, a deepening sense of intimacy and closeness with me. I want to give you, some of you, it's courage. I want to put courage in you. I want to raise up that like boldness, that like fearless spirit. I want to break off anxiety. So courage, closeness, and another result, if we're walking in the fear of the Lord, is going to be consecration. And that's really what this whole Hosea thing is about. It's saying, God, there is not a single part of me that I want to hold back. All of me for all of you. That's, that's my life. You're at the center. You're everything. And so consecration, that's really what that is. So that's what we're going to be talking about. These are the results, closeness, consecration, and courage. And I'll kind of come back to those a little bit later but what we're going to do to kick off our time is look at Hebrews 12 verses 18 to 29 and this is a a passage that kind of talks about the fear of the Lord I'm not just as a like forewarning I'm not going to go through like verse by verse um, but it's kind of it's like on the theme I'm going to do a thematic look using the whole you know not the whole Bible but throughout the Bible (laughs) we're going to be here for 10 hours Um, (laughs) but um, yeah so if you want to break into our like little discussion groups and maybe use the questions if it's helpful what does the passage show us about God what does it show us about people or even just any kind of things that stick out to you about the fear of the Lord or any questions that you might have and then we'll kind of just use that to start us off For you have not come to what may be touched, a blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it will be stoned. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. 
but you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gatherings, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. At that time his voice shook the earth, but now he has promised, yet once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. This phrase, yet once more, indicates the removal of things that are shaken. That is, things that have been made in order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, and thus let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray. Mm. Yeah, Sovereign Lord, Abba, Father, you've been with us the whole morning. You were there when we woke up this morning. You watched us in the night. You were protecting us, caring for us, and God, we want to know you better now. We want more of you. We really want more of you. We pray that today you would just expand our vision. Open our hearts, open our eyes to see you more clearly for who you truly are. And may we be changed in the light of your presence, in the light of your face. Thank you that you're a speaking God. Yeah, come and reorientate us, realign us shake what needs to be shaken out fix us firmly on the foundation of what lasts forever yeah have your glory this morning amen so yeah as we've kind of we've brought out some different things already but um i think this topic it's like it can kind of have a different feel depending on how you're viewing it there's like Sometimes there's a bit of confusion about actually what is the fear of the Lord. Um, it's not always an easy topic to get our minds around. And, and I don't know about you, but I often expend a lot of energy trying not to be anxious. Like, do not fear. You know, it's the most repeated command. I think that Jesus says, if I've got that right, do not fear, do not fear. Do not. And then we hear, but fear God. It's so like, don't fear, but do fear him. Okay, like, like but don't, don't think he's like, like terrified. Like, you know, I feel like there's kind of a lot of like confusion sometimes around it. Uh, for myself, there is anyway. <laughs> and you can read, I don't know if anybody has read some of these Old Testament stories of um, Uzzah in 1 Chronicles 13 or Aaron's sons in Leviticus 10, for example, where these are people who they entered the presence of God or they dealt with the presence of God in the wrong way in a way that they knew wasn't respecting his holiness. And instant death was the result. Like, what? And it's not just the Old Testament. New Testament, we've got Adonis and Sapphira in, in the early church where they had a lack of the fear of the Lord and they, they were pretending that they were good on the outside, whereas inwardly they were harboring money and not giving it. And it was really about the lack of the fear of God. And, and Peter says, you've kind of put yourself under a curse, under judgment, instant death. They just fall down dead. Like, what, what, like to our postmodern ears, this is kind of like, it's almost like an offensive. Like, I feel it's a bit like, what, how unfair? Like, what, just, and what just happened? Because even if it's not offensive, I think it's like incongruent, it feels, with the, the loving, gracious, gentle, fatherly kind of 
understanding of God that we have. So, you know, I think we can kind of see throughout scripture, a lack of the fear of God has really bad consequences. You can, you can see it in church history and in culture as well. Brueggemann, who's like an, um, a theologian, he says, when people are no longer awed, respectful, or fearful of God's holiness, the entire community is put at risk. And it has a lot of bad consequences. In um, Isaiah 29 verse um, 16, it's almost comical if it wasn't about such a serious topic. But there's this sort of this metaphor, this image of this potter and clay. And it kind of is basically, it's a diagnosis of where so many of our problems in our own hearts, but also in society, where they come from. And basically it says, you turn things upside down. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay that the thing made should say of its maker? He did not make me. He has no understanding. It's like this sassy little bit of dust of the earth saying, I just jumped onto that wheel myself. Like I'm a self-made pot. He has, he has no understanding. It's like almost comical but really serious. It's saying you flip things upside down. This flipping of rela- relationship is the key to so many problems where, in, you know, it's not just, it's flipping this way, like the authority of God and we think we're the creator, creator of everything and he's just kind of like a pocket God. But it's also like, if you look at it that way, like a pot, pot on the wheel, it's like a pot that is off center and the centering isn't God, it becomes all like wobbly and is danger of collapse at any second or of like warping. I talk a lot about pottery because I'm doing a pottery course at the moment. So it's like, it's very helpful imagery to me. Um, but we see the results there like, it can range from insecurity to um, anxiety, to bitterness, to deep distrust of God's goodness, of an entitled spirit, of arrogance, self-hatred, apathy, lethargy, grasping for control. Anyone resonate with any of those? Like, you know, daily for me, probably. Um, And I think, especially if you've been a Christian a long time, I think this is so easy to do. I think for me, sometimes I just have these days where I'm just feeling really restless and dissatisfied and a bit irritable or anxious. And and it can happen for a few days and then I'll be like, God, can you just diagnose what is going on? Because I can't really see what the, like, there's no obvious reason. And so often he's like, you're a wobbly pot off centre. You've just shifted a bit of like me being the, the very center of your world and the world to being like, really you've put yourself there or your own concerns or whatever else, a wobbly pot. It's like we reduce God to like this pocket genie sometimes, you know, he's just there to kind of call on when we need some help. Um, and it kind of makes everything kind of out of whack when we're not centered correctly. And um, it's a bit like spiritual leprosy, where if you know anything about the disease of leprosy, it's like it affects the nerve endings. So the danger with it is that you touch fire and you don't know, oh, I've just burnt my hand. So then it gets infected or I've trapped my foot, but I didn't realize because I'm just numb to it. And this is the kind of thing that happens when there's a lack of the fear of the Lord. Um, But not only is the danger in the lack of it, but actually in the Bible, we're promised amazing blessing and benefits of the fear of the Lord. Um, just for a few examples, Proverbs 9 verse 10, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Um, I think it's in Proverbs 14 where it says, the fear of the Lord is our security. Our children will have a refuge. So it's peace. Um, In Isaiah 33, the fear of the Lord is Zion's treasure. It's your treasure. This is an amazing thing to have fear of the Lord. It's a blessing. So it's kind of, I think it's a confusing topic. And I think as as you mentioned, Kelsey, this Hebrews 12 passage, almost it's like, it's like have, it's like God is terrifying as judge. His anger is absolutely terrifying. 
but because of Jesus, we don't need to be terrified. Like, come to God, it's celebration, it's joy. But then it finishes with this, like, fear sandwich, but do fear God, he's a consuming fire. So it's like, okay, so I, you know, what, like, what are we, like, how do we move forward in this? What are we doing? And I feel like, you know, the Bible reminds us, like, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're going to look today at four things to understand about the fear of the Lord to help us, hopefully, grow in this right attitude of the fear of the Lord to, to you know, break up that any hardness of heart in it or any lack of the fear of the Lord, but also to grow in the benefits of that and what he wants to do in us um, through this right understanding. So the four things we're going to look at, what is the fear of the Lord or an intimacy and how they're connected together. We're also going to look a little bit, just very briefly, paradox and mystery in the Christian faith. And then finally, the heart throne is not a couch. These are not memorable, so don't worry about if you <laughs> literally have no idea what I've been saying. Just allow the Holy, Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God, to just highlight the thing for you today that is going to set you free, that is going to stir you up, that is going to liberate you again, that is going to blow your mind with who God is. And hold on to that and don't not listen to him, the one who is speaking. So the first thing is, what is the fear of the Lord? I think I've heard definitions where basically it's reduced the, the definition of the fear of the Lord to wonder. And I think wonder definitely is part of that. Like, wow, God, you are amazing. That is part of the fear of the Lord. But I think if we only have it as like, that's like the tiny it can kind of confuse us a little bit as well because um, John Mark Comer says the Hebrew word for fear means fear. <laughs> it means fear. Um, so actually what we need to do is understand what does fear mean? And I think mostly fear is, is unhelpful and we've warped it and twisted it and it's like, you know, anxiety is not helpful. But there is a good kind of fear that is like a gift from God that has been wired into our limbic system to help us navigate the world. So if you're walking a beautiful hike along the clifftops, if you look over the edge, you have this like, whoa, this like fear reaction of like, I know what will happen if I take a step too far to the right and fall off this cliff. If you're in the presence of the, a wild animal, there is a right like fear about it because you know what will happen if you have your hand in its mouth. You know, there is this kind of like healthy fear that keeps us safe, that helps us to keep on the right path. So I think also it helps us to understand the, the, the meta-narrative, the big story that we as Christians live in. And you, you guys probably, you know, I'm sure you know this, but let, let's remind ourselves that it actually all starts with God, the eternal all-powerful, perfectly just, perfectly holy, pure, but also merciful, completely good, loving God. He didn't have a beginning. He hasn't got an end. He is the creator. And then out of love, he created us for a relationship with him. And this relationship, this connected to, connectedness, it's hard to say that, to our creator is meant to be and is life to us. It's the most deepest soul-satisfying connection that we could possibly have. It's not like an artist creator who makes the thing, sticks it in an art gallery, and off they go to another country. This is like a dad who creates a kid, and they are involved in every aspect of their life, and, and they, you, they want, you know, come under their care and their provision. And it's like this, this kind of, you know, as Joni was talking about, this connectedness between parent and child. And then sin entered, as we know in Genesis 2, people decided that they wanted to flip the relationship. We want to be the creator. We want to be independent of God. And that flipping had absolutely disastrous consequences. Beca God, because he is just and holy, he had to punish that 
sin and the, the result is people get separated they get sent out of the garden the presence the paradise the the place of life of God's presence and he is the judge he is holy but I also feel like in this we can see the kindness of God because we've just read in Hebrews about God being a consuming fire it's like his holiness it's like a, a roaring, roaring sort of inferno that literally burns up. What if you put a dirty bit of newspaper in a fire? It's gone, like it's disappeared. And I almost feel like this is like, um, like a first response kind of reaction. Like it's like humans have doused themselves with gasoline that's infused into our DNA now with sin. This like wanting to flip the relationship, wanting to be you know, in charge of our own lives, this treason against the, the living God. And it's like if, you've, you, if you're in a house that is on fire and you've doused yourself in gasoline, the first reaction is, get out the house! Like, as far away as you can! Like, our flesh is infused with sin. And so, could it be God's kindness that he's like, you have to get away from me. He didn't want to send us away from the garden, but that is the first response to protecting us. It's like his heart to like, I don't want to destroy you, but I am so holy and pure, you have to, you have to get away. But as we've read in Hebrews, thankfully, this, this exile is not forever. He so wants to be connecting with us that he made a way. Jesus was the way. Jesus, he's, he paid that highest price. He paid the death penalty. He is the one who meets the justice of God. He like body blocked us. It's like he jumped in front. The wrath of God had to come towards the anger of sin righteously justly and yet Jesus leapt in front of it and he body blocked it with his very own life to stop us getting burnt up it's like it says um his blood speaks a better word than the blood of Abel the blood of Abel cried out for revenge Jesus's blood cries out forgiveness it cries out peace freedom wholeness redemption and then when we become a Christian, that's receiving that gift by faith. And it's saying both, you're my saviour, you've saved me, but you're also my Lord. So this right relationship where God is now at the centre instead of humans, it's flipped back the right way. Creator, he, we come under his authority. He is in control. And as we see in, again, that, that middle section of the Hebrew, Hebrews 12 that we looked at, it brings joy. It brings celebration. Heaven and earth are connected again. And the biggest danger to humans is actually coming under the wrath of God, being judged for your sin. And so, because that, we no longer have to fear judgment, that terror has gone. You are never going to be judged for your sin if you're under the protection of Jesus, if, you, if his blood has already paid for you. That is our greatest security. And we've also been given this new heart, this new DNA that actually wants to put him at the centre. You know, we do wobble off centre, but our desire is that, no, I want you. I know that you are the king. And we get to grow in this deepening journey of connectedness, of intimacy with him. So the fear of the Lord is related to his never changing character and who he is. This holy, pure fire. And then secondly, we have um, another thing to understand is the fact that awe and intimacy are interconnected. Because I think, again, as humans, I definitely am guilty of this, but we, we're so good at polarising, aren't we? Like polarising things. So, um, 
you know, you, we kind of think of it as like on the one end, it's like the fear of the Lord. And if you fear God and you only understand that aspect of his character as judge, you are like, you end up being, it's like a bit twisted. You end up being um, just like guilt driven and duty motivated and, and scared and it's dry and it's hard. And, you know, and we kind of, we, f we forget this closeness, this intimacy, we have like a distance. Whereas if we only know God as like, love and we, do, we sort of forget the fear of the Lord, it ends up being that we polarise to the other end where we kind of make God like our like little mate, you know, like our pocket God, like the genie that just sort of helps me when I need a bit of a help and makes my life a bit better, you know? So it's like, actually, God in his glory, he can hold two seemingly opposing things together in his one being. He's that glorious. We, as humans, we're kind of a bit like we, we struggle, but he's like, no, I'm both. There's this interconnectedness, and we see it in 2 Chronicles 7. It's this great story where um, they've built the temple, and Solomon and all the people and the priests, they're like, they ask God, they, they say, God, you, you fill the heavens, you can't be contained in a, one building, but we ask that your manifest presence, the, like, the experience of, of you being with us, your closeness, your witness, could you come and fill the temple? Could you come and fill the space? And God answers, and he fills the temple with his glory, with his holiness, it comes down fills the whole temple and the result is that the, the priests can't even enter and all the people they fall down literally on their faces on the floor and they're having this experience of the fear of the Lord and you'd think in this moment what would be happening is like they would be crying out something like holy 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 are you you know like the angels do in heaven holy are you Lord God Almighty but actually what comes out their mouth is amazing what comes out their mouth is you're good and your love endures forever. So they're having this experience of like holy fear of God at the same time as encountering his love. And it's happening simultaneously. And I feel like this is, we actually see this in all around us in the most powerful things on the earth. We see it in, you know, the ocean with fire, with, with mountains. You know, if you're, um, the people who love those things the most, enjoy them the most, are closest to them, actually the ones who hold them in the most respect and careful handling. So like if you're a sailor, a surfer, you know, a fisherman, woman, um, it's like, you know, you get life from the sea, you know, but also if there is a storm coming, you do not go out on that water. Like you respect the tides, you watch out for the riptide, you know, you understand it, but you treat it with respect. If you're a mountaineer, you know, you, you go on the mountain and you enjoy it the mo more than people who are just sort of from a distance looking at it, but you don't walk up it in flip-flops, which is what I tried to do once, don't try and do it, it's not a good idea. So, you know, you prepare, you wear the right protective clothing, you, you know, you know it is a different atmosphere. So you, you treat it with, with respect, you know, but you also enjoy it the most. So we kind of see this, like, around us. And so could it be, like, I'm not trying to be reductionist, and there's lots of reasons why sometimes we don't, like, feel or feel that closeness or love of God but could it even be for for some of us this morning that actually if you're struggling to feel the love of God maybe for you he's saying a key for you is actually the fear of the Lord expand your vision ask him to give you a revelation of who he really is in all his different parts and as you experience the fear of the fear of the Lord maybe you'll also encounter more of his love so thirdly the we've got the paradox of, sorry, both paradox and mystery. Paradox being like, you know, two things that don't seem to go together that are like juxtaposed wrongly. And mystery, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, 
we've got to get used to mystery. Like, I love to be able to understand things. Anyone else like to kind of understand things? Thankfully, our Christian faith has, you know, on Alpha, we like, there's textual criticism, there's like historical documents we can look at. You know, we don't throw our mind out the window, but you will not understand everything about God. And we just can't sometimes. And, and I, for me, this kind of the fear of the Lord and this kind of idea of like mystery, it really hit home um, over the last few years where we've had... Um, some of you know we've had this this family tragedy just before we came in the year before we came out to San Francisco where my brother-in-law completely almost out of the blue we none of us knew but he he committed suicide he took his own life and um and we you know we were just like devastated like the kids were really it was like favorite uncle we didn't really see it coming we didn't really you know we're kind of left with all these questions and we've got the like the tragedy of losing him but also this like like where did that come from what happened why didn't someone stop him and and there was like for me there was these times where I've in the past been used like God has given me prophetic words about people who were feeling suicidal and able to share and basically they didn't end up committing suicide like God broke in miraculously you know like to save their life so my question to God was like, why didn't you do that now? Why didn't you tell me or someone else or get someone to stand on that train platform and stop him? Like, why didn't you do that? But every time I had to bring these like, these why questions to God, often what, you know, the response was just like a silence. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. And it's like, as we bring our why questions to God as I had to bring my why questions to God it was like this moment of the fear of the Lord because what I'm left with I can't understand I don't know why God didn't break in in that moment so I either have to feel bitter distrustful of God you know I have to just or he's Lord or he's not you know like I have to say he's Lord he's good this love still endures forever I don't really know why but I can there is I could still go closer in intimacy. And as I like wrestled and had to lay down that right to understand, I can tell you that is when his healing, like he didn't respond in words, but he responded in his power and his healing and with his presence. And Andrew Wilson, um, in his book, Incomparable, he talks about this idea of mystery and and. He says, our understanding of God is riddled with things we cannot explain properly. And this makes him more glorious, not less. No pictures are sufficient to express the full truth about him, not even biblical ones. In intercession, he is both the one praying and the one being prayed to. In justice, he is the policeman, judge, jury, defense lawyer, and the one who receives the punishment. In the tabernacle, he is both Aaron and the goat, as in an astonishing twist, which no one saw coming, the high priest and the sacrifice on the altar turn out to be the same person. In the family, he's father, mother, son, husband. He's unknowable and known, invisible and revealed, lion and lamb, prince of peace, man of war, wrathful, joyful, strength, song, holy, gracious, prophet, priest and king. 
the exuberant and varied use of imagery to describe Yahweh in scripture is not a sign of confusion or contradiction in the writers. It simply indicates how well they have grasped, grasped the depth and riches of God's character and how beyond our comprehension that character really is. And then finally, we have um, a fourth thing to understand, which is the heart throne is not a multiple seater couch. So to say Jesus is Lord is to say Caesar is not, to quote Richard Roll, which is very controversial then. And it's controversial now, you know, in San Francisco or any postmodern Western culture that prizes autonomy and independence at the center. Like, don't tell me what to do. Don't tell me who I am. Don't tell me what to wear, you know. But John Tyson, who um, leads a church in New York, he says, if we want to be ministers to Brooklyn, we must first free ourselves from the idols of Brooklyn. If we want to be ministers to San Francisco, we need to, be, to free ourselves from the idols of San Francisco. There is only one spot on the throne of our hearts. And Jesus, he waits to be invited but he cannot and will not share the throne with anyone else. To be a Christian is to say, Jesus and Jesus alone is king, both in my heart now, but also one day when every eye will see him take his place on the throne and every tongue will cry out, Jesus is Lord, either in terror of judgment or in joy of eternal paradise with him. So just to, to finish up, just to summarise, what does it mean for us practically? What does that look like? Well, as I said at the beginning, I feel like God wants to give us these gifts, closeness, courage, consecration. As we grow in awe and holy fear, as we've seen, it's, it can be the doorway to deeper intimacy and experience of his love, that closeness. They come together or in intimacy. But also consecration, again, what we're doing, breaking up that unplowed ground, saying, God, there's no area of my life off li limits to you. It's devotion. It's being set apart for holy purposes. It's about lining up our behaviour with his holiness, not to get favour, but because we've already got his favour. It's, it's love demonstrated by sacrificing and forsaking certain things in order to actually get the best thing which we do see we see it in our life all the time we see it with marriages we see it with um you know athlete you know people who are like top athletes they forego the immediate pleasure of a quick chocolate bar in order to, to win the race to win the prize so obeying the way that God has said life works best from our sexual relationships to how we deal with food to, to doing ethical business or, you know, on everything in between. It's not to feel good about following the rules, but it's because he is worthy of it all. And in Hebrews 12 verse 28, it says, offer, let us offer acceptable worship. And then chapter 13 is, but the next chapter is basically a whole like, list of different ways that we can offer acceptable worship with our bodies with our minds with our choices with our affections with our thoughts with our words from hospitality from caring for the poor visiting those in prison from sexual relationships there's like a whole host of like ways that we can do this and it, you know maybe you want to check that out and like at some point this week and allow God to be like you know what areas how can I offer acceptable worship 
to you in these areas of my life. And in our gatherings, I think it's, it's going to be a combination. You know, we're going to have joy and celebration, but we're also going to have awestruck, face down, undone in the presence of God moments together. It's going to be both. And then finally, courage. Like, um, I don't know if you've ever noticed that, that fears, they sort of seem to have like a hierarchy. Like, I'm a bit scared of spiders, but my kids who are also a bit scared of spi- spiders, if you see me with them, and I know that the fear of them being scared of something is almost like, or that dread is... Is overpowers my fear, so I'm like I'm like a superhero. I'm like get out, done. Okay, you know you'd think I was really fearless. I'm not. I don't like them, but it's like that other fear, kind of the fear over you know fears overwhelm other fears. So it's like if you're if you care and fear God more, and you care more about His His opinion of you, it's like that pushes out the the desire to be approved by other people and to, the need to keep their like good opinion or not to fail in front of them or whatever it is, that performance mentality. And also like to be fearless people because the fear of the Lord, it actually, it has an impact on like the whole of culture, you know, or the whole of like, um, it's not just for us and how we live, but it actually impacts like the world around us. Like the, um, you've probably heard the stories of nearly every revival. It's like prayer and the fear of the Lord is like, the the fire that it all springs from so like for example the the methodist uh, movement that started that's not like a global movement but um there was a time in english history where the like it was really bad like there was no regard for the fear of god people didn't want to go to church there was like um like you know drunkenness everything was like rife there was like crime in the streets there's like so much stuff that there was happening like the orphans you know not being cared for and basically what happened is on on new year's eve a group of christians got together they prayed they sought god and then god broke in three o'clock in the morning people are crying out in with the fear of the lord like they get overwhelmed the holy spirit baptizes them in like a fiery passion for the for the things of god and that overflows into creative worship and songs that we still sing today overflowed into like orphans being cared for in the streets of crime going down it's like the restoration of community and society was also an impact of the fear of the lord so fearless people and also in your own you know our own anxiety if that's a thing for you i want to say god wants to set you free it's possible to be less anxious this year than you were last year you know, God can break in. He wants to bring freedom. Proverbs 14, in the fear of the Lord, we have security and your children will have a refuge. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Sanctuary Church podcast. If we can be of any help to you, please don't hesitate to contact us at hello at sanctuarysf.com. We would love to connect. And wherever this finds you, may you experience the grace and peace of God our Father.